Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everyone. It's Women's Hoops and Talks, the What Podcast, where we are elevating the voice of women in basketball. You can find us in the Blazers Edge podcast feed. We're part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. We come to you with new episodes every other week, so be sure to subscribe to the Blazers Edge feed if you don't want to miss any of our episodes. If you want to hear our episodes as soon as they come out, go ahead and subscribe to our Twitter feed at Hoops and Talks. I'm Tara, and I am on my own today. Kendall has a cool internship that she's been working at this summer, and we did not have time to uh, coordinate our schedules this week, so I am flying solo, although I'm not really alone because I'm going to be sharing four interviews that I did with women from four different fan bases um, representing the first four picks of the 2018 NBA draft. So I will run those in just a minute. But before we go into that, I just wanted to note that the draft is over and the offseason is really starting to pick up. Uh, Qualifying offers are being tendered around the league. We're all watching to see who's going to re-sign with their teams, who's going to get waived. Um, We're looking at all the free agents who are going to start jockeying for position and looking for new teams to sign with coming up in just a few days. It's just really the most wonderful time of year, and I love it. On Tuesday, Austin Rivers was traded by his father. Well, I guess Doc really isn't the GM anymore, but Austin Rivers was traded to the Washington Wizards for Marcin Gartat. I thought this was a really surprising trade. I was not expecting it. And the thing that really stood out to me about it is that it involves a big man. So, you know, Gortat is a center for Washington. And, um, you know, my first thought immediately was, oh, my gosh, DeAndre Jordan is gone if Gortat is going to be in playing for the Clippers now. I'm not entirely sure that the Clippers are going to keep him. I suppose it's still possible that um, they would be keeping DeAndre and, you know, dealing Gortat in a different one or possibly waiving him. I don't know. It's like the possibilities are wide open. But the thing that really stood out to me about this maneuver was that it involved a big man. 
we've been hearing over and over that it's going to be really a, a tough situation for big man out there during this free agency period because it's kind of unclear like what that position is going to be anyway in the next couple of years. And as Portland Trailblazers fans, of course, uh, we have uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who is a restricted free agent, and Ed Davis, who is a like completely free agent. Um, so we've been I've been keeping my eye on it from that perspective, and I just I I don't know it just caught me by surprise that the one of the first big moves this off season involve a big man, and you know so now. Washington is going to need somebody. If DeAndre is going to leave, then they're going to need somebody. And I'm just looks like there may be some movement uh, for guys who are playing in that center position, which just kind of caught me by surprise. The possibilities are wide open, and it's really anybody's call what's going to happen. Of course, we have LeBron James possibly on the move. We have Kawhi Leonard asking for a trade. We just have so many possibilities. It's virtually um, impossible to tell right now where people are going to go. So one of the things that I love about this time of year and that is very special to me is the draft because it represents just the ultimate pinnacle of hope and possibilities to fan bases. Although sometimes fan bases don't always agree on uh, who their the players should be their their teams should be going after who which players should be let's see let me think of a good Woj euphemism um, should be in their sights. It's just such an interesting time of year when uh, fan bases are trying to figure out. Who's going to be the best fit for their future when they've never really, you know, seen these guys play an NBA game? I mean, I've seen, they've seen they've watched them play in college, uh, like with Luka Doncic. They've seen him play in Europe, but they've never seen any of these guys play in the NBA. And in addition to that, they're very young and they are really mostly not developed. I mean, some of these guys come in with like very strong and, uh, you know, lots of well-developed muscles and stuff, but they're not, you know, they haven't grown into their man bodies as, you know, which is more common when you're like in your mid twenties by the time you've stopped growing. And, um, these guys in there, you know, won't stop growing or reach their ultimate, um, you know, muscular form until they're in their mid-20s. And so fan bases around the NBA are eyeing these really young, these, you know, 18, you know, a couple 18-year-olds, many 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds trying to figure out, like, which one they're going to, you know, pin their hopes and dreams on for the next several years. And, you know, it's the front office's job to select, but it's also also part of the fun or pain, depending on who you ask, <laughs> of being a fan is trying to figure out which 19-year-old is going to make a difference to your franchise. So what I did is I went and found somebody who could speak to um, sort of the fan reaction for each of the top four picks, you know, for the fran for the franchises representing the top four picks. So I talked to someone from Phoenix, someone to sac from Sacramento. I went ahead and talked to somebody from Dallas because of they, of course, they ended up trading up for the third pick. 
And then finally, I talked to somebody from the Memphis Grizzlies. And my idea was just to get uh, an idea of how different fan bases are, you know, approaching the season. I mean, these are all lottery picks. So they were all teams that, uh, you know, had a rough year and were really hoping for something good. And so they really, really do have their hopes and dreams pinned on the success of these young players who they've just drafted. So I just thought it would be interesting to talk to them get a little bit of perspective from around the league about how uh, people approach the, you know, bringing a new uh, player onto their team, how they how they justify how these guys will fit into their systems, whether or not their skill set or their position matches, you know, is a good match for the current players. And um, it was just really fun to get some different perspectives and learn a little bit more about some of these players who, you know, as the Blazers held the 24th pick, I wasn't paying a whole bunch of attention to the top of the league. But I tell you, I'm headed down to Summer League in a little over a week, and so now I'm going to go and watch these young players, and I will have just a little bit more of an interest in watching them now that I've connected with people from other fan bases and learn more, uh, learn more about them. With the number one pick of the 2018 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select DeAndre Ayton from Arizona. And here to talk about how it all went in Phoenix is Ashley Williams. Ashley, welcome. Great to have you on. Thank you. Love being on always. Do you love my uh, cheesy Adam Silver imitation? I do. It was really good. (laughs) I'm going to put some like really um, uh, cheesy like intro music behind it too, like fanfare stuff. I'm kind of like feeling like a real DJ all of a sudden right now. Well, let me introduce you. Ashley is a freelance reporter. She has covered prep sports, including the Nike Hoop Summit and the Les Schwab Invitational Tournament, where she has met and talked with many players who went on to be drafted into the NBA. She also recently was in Phoenix leading up to the draft. So she is here to give us an idea of how Phoenix fans were feeling about their newest player. So... What was the reaction from Suns fan when they selected selected Aiton just the other night? I think it's always exciting when a team or organization gets a number one pick. So I think it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't really matter who they initially get because it's like, oh, like that's such an exciting thing, especially for an organization that's been through a lot. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they had the worst record in the league. Um, they just they just have really been going through it, and I don't think they see that light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so I think this is like some hope for them. And were there uh, were there people? Was he the expected choice? I guess is the question. I mean, I would assume so. Um, just more obviously, I I am more in the know than maybe more people would be. Um, so I, I knew. I just. It was just a joke to think that anybody else. <laughs> Is it because of, uh, was it because of fit or, you know, because of he's a local guy? What are some of the reasons that people were like advocating that he be selected? Yeah. I just think because of how dominant he is. Um, and it's just that's something that a lot of teams would just feel or a lot of people would think teams would be stupid to pass up on. Um, so I don't know if it, there's an I don't know if it's really like, oh, he's the best fit for Phoenix. Um, but I think that 
it just wouldn't really make sense to not go with him. Um, I know like the Arizona ties, obviously, but I mean, Marvin has Arizona ties as well. So I don't know if you can say like, oh, it's because he went to Arizona. Were there people who were uh, wanting Doncic? Totally. Um, I think that then this kind of helps me being from Portland, kind of like the whole Greg Oden thing. Right. You went through it. Um, you lived through it. <laughs> I've talked to – people are mixed out, out there. Um, I have a lot of people who are like, oh, my God, this is – he's going to be a bust. This is a terrible idea. And then I have other people who are like, he's the next Shaq. This is so awesome. So it's like I, – I don't know. I just kind of get that, like, red flag Greg Oden feeling. Um <laughs> I, I kind of get that. I don't know why. I just you I get know. that with Aiton. Kind of. I don't like to talk about players too much that I haven't like particularly like really covered or seen. And he turned down a lot of the events that I covered. Okay. Uh, when it was his time around, so like he was, he turned down going. Well, I, I did see him. I saw him at the Hoop Summit when he was a junior. Okay. But it wasn't, I was just like, nah, like I, I didn't see anything that was like, obviously he's huge and he's going to dominate just because of his like size in itself. And um, I think that his position is something that is really needed now in the NBA as far as being like a true big, which would be super awesome. Um, but I mean, I don't know. It's It's really hard to tell, especially these days. So, and I don't know anything, really, I don't know anything about the son's new coach. Um, I know that he is from overseas, and I know that he was on the coaching staff a while back, but um, I, so it's it's hard, you know, I like to compare players to like, oh, is he going to fit with that coaching style? But it's hard to even really tell that. They've been kind of through coaches, like clockwork. So it's kind of hard to tell. And then the rest of the guys in the team are so young. So it's like, I don't know. It's at that point. I think Phoenix is trying to decide what they are building. Um, but I think having the number one pick, that's an exciting thing regardless. I think it was a good choice for them. I do. Mm -hmm. Did you have you had a chance to cover any of the uh, players who were in this year's draft first round, at least? Um, I saw Marvin Bagley a ton, a ton. Mm -hmm. I saw him at Hoop Summit. I actually saw him. Uh, at an EYBL session the year prior to, um, I saw him at, where else did I see? I saw, I've seen him at a lot of tournaments. I don't really know why, but so I've seen him play. So I've seen Michael play Michael Porter. That's questionable. I don't know. Injury stuff. I don't know. Even that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah, interesting so that Aiton didn't play in many of the of those regular events. Obviously, Doncic didn't either because he was playing in Europe. Well, that's the thing, too, is like, I mean, you have the option to turn down any of those events. And he did. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of sucks for us because we're like, oh, where did he come from? But then it's like it's exciting to see him play. I mean, we got to see him play in college, which was cool. Some of my guys, like some of my favorite guys in this draft, people probably didn't know a lot about them. Like one of my favorites was Colin Sexton. Oh my God. I think he is like, ever since I, I think I interviewed him when he was like freshman or sophomore in high school or something. He has been so good and I've just watched him grow as a player and it's just like insane. He reminds me a lot of uh, De'Aaron Fox. 
Colin, did he go to the the Cavaliers? Yep. Yes, he went to the Cavaliers via that via that next pick. Well, just to to wrap up uh, with Phoenix, would you you know you referenced the Kevin Durant, Greg Oden number one pick that was here in Portland, and you know there's still a divide <laughs> between people who thought they should take Odin and thought that they should take uh, Durant. Do you foresee a situation like that? Or was it one of those things where once it sort of looked like it was leaning towards one player, people pretty much got on board? Um, I don't think it's going to get to that point in Phoenix. Uh, just simply because, oh man, I don't even want to think about the whole, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> Makes me mad. I just got mad. Um, no, but I, I don't think it's going to end up that way just simply for the fact that there is a lot of rebuilding that is going like that is taking place in Phoenix. Um, but I think this was a time for them to kind of play the cards how they were. But I, I don't I don't necessarily see him being a bust. I don't I mean, he hasn't had like crazy injuries or he hasn't had problems or this or that. So so there could be two really great top two picks. <laughs> Exactly. You know, maybe, maybe they both just do really well. So, but I, I think they chose well. Um, and I think he's comfortable in Arizona. And like I said, I think a lot of people were already on board with him just because he was in Arizona anyways. And so like, you would see him walking around, you'd see him here and it was, it might already be a home to him. So I think that that had a lot to play into it as well. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he was friends with a lot of the guys. I'm sure he trained with those guys when he was in college or whatever the case may be. So I think that it was a comfortable fit and it was, I think it was their best, in their best interest to go for him. So speaking of guys who thought they were going to be home, um, the the 10th pick, Michael Bridges or Mikhail how do you say his name? Uh, Mikhail, I think, Bridges was drafted by the 76ers, was elated to have been taken by the 76ers. I gave this wonderful interview with his mom who works for the 76ers. They were so excited. And then he was traded to the Suns. Now, I like to think I'm sure that everybody in the Suns is going to be extra super duper, especially welcoming to him after what he had to go through on draft night i know i it's it sucks because like you don't think about it but it is a business <laughs> obviously so but i know it was just such like a hollywood story like oh his mom is with the organization and everything but no i think they're i think they will be pleased just to you know get some new talent in there and I, i'm sure they will they are welcoming him with big arms and <laughs> <laughs> They're so excited. And I'm sure he's just like, hey, let's get ready to work, you know? So, but I mean, you can, you, he got drafted and you got to just kind of, right. You know, I mean, that's big, huge. Bigger picture. <laughs> moms got to be proud of that for sure. I know. I always think of the moms on draft night. Like moms have a special place in my heart on draft night. Well, moms and family members and, you know, people who raised the kids and the people who drove them to all the practices and made them wake up when they didn't want to get up and who washed their uniforms and took care of them and got them all the way to the, to where they are. That's all for me. That's what draft night is like a huge part of draft night for me. And for, so for the like to be shown on this poor family in that way, but you're right. It's a business. Everybody will get over it. He'll get, he'll get paid. He'll be happy. And, um, but boy, you really pretty much couldn't send him much farther away either. <laughs> that was- I, 
it was like it was like hmm let's do directly the opposite <laughs> yeah yeah there we go. well it sounds like you know the phoenix has a lot of really young uh exciting uh prospects and talent and it'll be really interesting to see how they end up putting it all together and how this number one pick turns out for them i know i think you know every time you get a number one pick it's just a very exciting thing so everyone was just Everyone in Phoenix, at least, they were just so excited anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Suns, no offense, but they haven't been a good team for a long time. So I think that people were more just like, hey, let's party because we have the number one pick. <laughs> Not like, oh, it's going to come together now. So, yeah. but if, you know, maybe it will. Um, you never really know. I really hope for the sake of them, because I know how it feels, that's not an Odin situation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's going to be super healthy and have a really nice, long and productive career. Let's, well, we'll end on a high note with that. (laughs) Well, Ashley, do you want to tell folks uh, how they can find your work? Yes, please. Um, Definitely Twitter. That's, I'll be Jen away. And then you can always find all my other things through YouTube, Instagram, but it's at Williams Ash Dawn. So I will be back in the Portland area doing some fun content here for a while. So look out for that. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. With the number two pick of the 2018 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Marvin Bagley III from Duke University. And here to discuss how Sacramento took the news is Jill Atch. Jill is a lifelong Kings fan and a season ticket holder. She can be heard during the season providing fan perspective on the Sacktown Royalty podcast. Welcome to the What Podcast, Jill. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are looking forward. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. If you could just start off by painting a picture for us and tell us how the fans received the news when they learned the Kings were drafting Marvin Bigley III. Okay, so I'll kind of start off with we were supposed to have the number seven pick. So the fact that we went down to number two pretty much shocked us all in Kingsland because nothing good usually ever happens to us. And so when that happened, we all pretty much thought, I think, or at least a huge consensus, what that it was going to be Aiton or Luca. Um, within the last couple of weeks, we started hearing more about Bagley. Um, so that kind of prepared us for it. But I'd have to say, um, probably the last two weeks, at least King's Twitter, um, it was kind of, I would say, Hunger Games style. <laughs> Basically, between three players, Luca, Bagley, and Porter, and made the odds be in your favor based on the three that you liked. I mean, um, we had fans going at each other, going at the local blog sites, local media. Um, they were, you know, socially attacking national narratives and media, um, which does happen a lot in King's fandom because we're pretty tribal um, for being, you know, usually as bad as we are, we have hardcore fans. So, um, which is really cool is that I would say like, even though at least based on King's Twitter reference that the majority, I think were hoping for Luca um, we had a huge draft party at Golden One, and if you had no idea what was going on and you saw the live reaction of when they announced um, Bagley, you never would have known that 
and there were two other players in consideration for the number two spot. I mean, the place went crazy. They were standing up. Um, we had guys, uh, fans meet him at the airport on Friday when he arrived. Um, we like to do that with all new players um, to make them feel welcome. Uh, so when they're coming through, you have groups of fans with, you know, big head signs and welcome to sack and chants and all that. So that when you come in, you feel like you're one of us and you're welcome. So, I mean, at this point, we're 100% behind the pick. We don't have a first round pick next year. So, I mean, we're all just hoping for the best and that it works out at this point. So. What were some of the arguments like in uh, in favor of him and some of the concerns that people had about him, especially as it heated up towards the end there and it looked like they right. were starting to what 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 do you remember what um, euphemism Woj used for your particular selection? <laughs> Oh God, I don't. I I I can't remember. I know that they he (laughs) for the Blazers. He said they lasered in on Anthony Simons. I was (laughs) I was just wondering how many people like will remember Um, the tweet that uh, Woj used. (laughs) Right. I think I don't think he had started yet because I do remember Mark Stein tweeting it out, um, and he might have used a different word, but I think it was maybe after the first three that he started going in on it. So I don't think he had an opportunity yet to do it for us, Um, which could be a good thing. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, for some of the pluses uh, leading up to it, a lot of things we heard, you know, he's a 20 and 10 guy. Um, We currently don't have anyone on the roster, you know, that fills that. We are a bit log jam there. We have six bigs currently. But once again, we don't have anyone that's a 20, 10 guy. He's a guy who can run the floor. He plays above the rim. Um, he grabs every rebound available. He makes plays off the dribble, has a great first step. Um, he can occasionally hit it outside from the three. So, I mean, if he can do all that consistently, then I think he'll have a really long, successful career here. An advantage I think he has is he's left-handed. Um, not many guys are in the league. Um, he has long strides, a great spin, and Eurostep move. Um, he even showed a couple times in games where he could make the cross-court pass and had a good read uh, for dump-offs of teammates. So for a big man, that's all pluses. Um, we keep hearing about his second jump, that it's being touted as unstoppable, that by the time he's going up for a second jump, that other players haven't even landed for the first time. So like I said, I mean, we have six guys, six big men, and we don't have anybody like that at all. So if he, if he can do any of this, it, I mean, it's all good that, that those are all pluses. Right. What about, um, so when the, the Blazers several years, many years ago had the number one pick and people were firmly in the two different camps, just like you were just describing the three different camps. Um, and there are people who will, you know, I happen to be somebody who believes that the Blazers drafted Greg Oden correctly. That was the pick that they needed to make at the time. And I will, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Right. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Right. But are right. there are there people out there right now who are still days later and you expect like years later will be complaining about not taking Luka Doncic? Were there people who were so firmly in that camp that you think they will never be budged? Oh, for sure. But there's also ones that I've seen now where it's like, all right, screw it. We made the pick. I'm hoping he has like the worst career possible. So you see it. <laughs> You definitely see it both ways, but I do, 
you know, and I do see people saying, oh, you know, I'm going to remember this tweet so that, you know, years later I can come back at you, whether it's, you know, one way or the other, you know, we're going to remember this. But yeah, no, we are still seeing that. But at this point, I mean, I got to I mean, I got to get behind it for sanity's sake. I, I mean, I, I have to say Luca was my first choice, but um, just because he reminded me so much of the glory years that we used to see with the high basketball IQ, the passing, he just seemed like he had a really good package and we need the small forward. But like I said, if Bagley can do everything that's listed in that pro column, um, he does fit something that we just don't currently have. And if they feel like they can get more out of him than that, then, you know, we could all be the biggest idiots and it could maybe potentially be the seal of the draft. So you started off the, you know, before the draft lottery with your odds, most likely that you were going to have, like you said, the seven pick and Mm -hmm. you managed in the lottery to come out with the number two pick. So how do you feel about this trade or this, uh, this draft pick and how it works? Like if you're going to grade it, what kind of a grade would you give it? Um, I'd probably give it a B. Mm hmm. Just because, like I said, we already have a lot of bigs, um, and he does have some some unknowns, I would say. Um, really bad free throw shooting percentage, even though I think that can get solved. Um, his defense is still a big question mark to me because Duke played the, the zone, um, and I still don't really know what we're exactly going to get out of him. He, he's been saying all week that um, he can be the defensive a stopper that people are saying he's not currently um, and he's going to prove them all wrong. So if he does that, that's all great. I still not sure what, where the front office exactly expects to use him because they did mention him playing three, four and five. (laughs) So I I mean, I'm still a little, I I don't know what exactly they're going to be And the playing him playing at the three kind of does scare me is I don't want them to put him in a, in a position where he could fail right away if they do just throw him out there at the three and that's something he hasn't done before um I think that could be risky yeah and we have a guy in Giles as well too that we haven't seen before and they keep talking about playing these, these two two guys together for years to come so it's two very unknowns that we just don't know what we're going to be seeing on the court but I would say it's a B because he seems like a, a good all-around player. And if he can get it to translate over, like, it, unfortunately, not a lot of big men um, are doing right now in the league, then um, I think it's it's a successful pick. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us how things were uh, going in Sacramento. It seems, seems like uh, there's people are feeling pretty good. And I'm really glad to hear that the whole like auditorium like erupted in excitement because <laughs> yeah. sometimes things can go horribly awry. So that's I would say that for probably sure. bodes well for them. Uh, before yeah. we go, do you want to tell people how they can um, invite anyone to follow you on Twitter or other social media? Um, yeah, on Twitter, um, it's at Jill Adge, uh, J-I-L-L-A-D-G-E. So, um, yeah, you can see all my King's takes or any other uh, sports related. I pretty much follow everything. So, yeah, if you want a good female voice, you can come ahead and follow me over there and check it out. Thank all right. you again for Take having care. me. 
The third pick of the 2018 NBA Draft, Luka Doncic of Slovenia, will be traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Okay, we are here with Rebecca Lawson of Mavs Moneyball to talk about draft night. Um, Rebecca, what was the initial reaction among fans when you heard that the Mavericks were going to move up? Well, it was pretty insane, Tara, because the Mavericks are traditionally a very tight-lipped front office. So you don't really have any sense of what they're doing going into big events like draft night or free agency before it happens. And so when the news broke, I think it was Mark Stein who broke it just before the first pick really really got announced. It was crazy because it, the trade that was being discussed initially kind of seemed like it was the Mavericks turning down a trade that um, Atlanta wanted Wes Matthews back in exchange for Kent Bazemore, plus a pick swap, plus a first round pick. And so we were all screaming because we knew that that meant that the Mavericks wanted Doncic, um, who was obviously, you know, one of the top picks in the draft that they ended up needing to move up for. So we were all kind of screaming at our computers, do the trade, do the trade. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. He's that great of a player. And then, you know, so it seemed like they weren't going to do the trade. And then the trade got announced finally that it was just the the pick swap and the first round pick next year that's, you know, protected top five. So we were all ecstatic when the trade finally went through after some momentary panic that the trade might not go through. Um, we are all huge, huge fans of Doncic. So it was um, momentary panic followed by elation that the trade did go through and that we were going to be able to get our guy. Sounds like quite a roller coaster. <laughs> it was definitely a roller coaster. Well, what are, I know there, there's a lot of pluses with Doncic. He's, you know, was talked about as the number one pick for quite a right. long time. Um, but what are some of the pluses and minuses that people um, around the Mavericks are talking about with how he'll fit in with the team? Well, it's really, it's a really great time for him to be coming into the Mavericks. Obviously we have, um, or the team has a lot of experience with Dirk Nowitzki and, and integrating European players into the team. I think that was one of the big concerns that, you know, he was being talked about as the first pick for a long time. And I think some of the concerns kind of became, or things that I saw were that, you know, it's a European player, traditionally European players haven't done that well in the NBA you look at things like Ricky Rubio, who was, you know, a highly touted prospect and didn't do maybe as well as people had expected, although certainly a fairly competent player, um, you know. And so those were some of the concerns that I think brought him down the board a little bit, but he wasn't going to fall the fifth pick. And so, you know, he was Mavericks obviously have that experience with Dirk being a 20 year franchise player, you know, knowing how to integrate Europeans on the team. And Dirk's going to stick around for an, at least another season to mentor him. So I think he's just the perfect fit on the team. And he does fit. You know, the Mavericks have talked about a rebuilding timeline. Well, they have Dennis Smith Jr. now, and they have Doncic, and, you know, they have some good complementary pieces in Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews and Dwight Powell and still Dirk. And so I think they're really gunning for the playoffs this year, and Doncic allows them with the, you know, ultra-competitive league that he's been in the Spanish league overseas, which is really, I mean, the next best thing to the NBA, he's going to be able to allow them to compete right away and maybe push for a playoff spot. So that's kind of, I think, the Mavericks' idea with drafting him, and I'll be very interested to see how it plays out. Are there any detractors out there who think that the Mavs should have gone in a different direction or are people feeling pretty excited about this, sounds like? I I think by and large, people are feeling pretty excited. I have seen a couple of people hemming and hawing in, you know, in terms of like, maybe they should have taken Mo Bamba. You know, we really haven't had a great big man in a while on the Mavs. And so, you know, maybe they should have gone that direction. But, you know, I think by and large, that's, you know, 
that's a very, very small minority of the voices out there. And everyone is pretty thrilled that the Mavericks were able to get their guy. So there's been some detraction, but I think 95% of the uh, 95% of the reaction has been very excited. Now, it sounds to me like you are feeling pretty highly about the pick going into the draft. Was was he who you were thinking that they were going to go after? Or did you have like a, a backup plan, a plan B if they didn't take him? Yeah. So, I mean, I was I was kind of frankly surprised that they ended up trading up to go for him. I thought they were going to be pretty content. And this kind of goes back to Mavericks front office doesn't talk a lot. So we really had to just kind of guess at what they might do, um, you know. I thought they would be pretty content at the fifth pick and they probably would have taken Mo Bamba or Wendell Carter or, you know, one of those guys, if Jaron Jackson had fallen, I don't think Doncic was ever going to fall to five. Certainly they would have taken him if he had fallen to five, but it's, you know, I, I was surprised by the trade certainly because, you know, even though he was their guy, I didn't realize how much he was their guy. And I thought they were going to be pretty happy just picking at five. So to the extent that uh, to the extent that they didn't, it was pretty it was pretty surprising. But I'm very happy that they got who they did because you know Doncic has been talked about for so long as the you know most polished prospect in this draft and maybe the one prospect other than Aiton that could really change a team and could really be a franchise cornerstone for a team. So that's something that obviously with Dirk retiring. Um, and, you know, being in the twilight of his career, the Mavericks have not had that. And, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to take a couple of years to get there. And maybe he wouldn't have ever been that. But we know Doncic is that because he has been playing at a high level for a number of years. And we're very excited to see if he can continue to do that for the Mavericks. Well, thank you so much for giving us that little glimpse into how things are going in Dallas. It sounds like there's a lot of uh, positivity and a lot of excitement about the future down there. Absolutely is. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Great. Take care. You too. With the number four pick of the 2018 NBA draft, the Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. from Michigan State. And here to talk about the Grizzly selection is Amy Stigemeyer, co-founder and editor of All Heart and Hoop City, a Memphis Grizzlies blog written and edited entirely by women. Amy, it's great to talk to you. Thanks, Tara. It's great to talk to you, too. So my first question for you is how did the people in Memphis react to the selection of Jaron Jackson Jr.? It was Kind of about a 60-40 split. There were um, a number of people who were disappointed that the scenarios floated the Grizzlies trading that number four pick and somehow offloading Chandler Parsons didn't become a thing. I think there were a lot of people that were disappointed with that. Um, but overall, the consensus seems to be pretty good. You know, I think there are some people who they're not going to be happy with, with anything that, and, I mean, I, I can't really talk because I haven't been happy with, like, half the Grizzlies draft picks for years. But I feel like this was, a, this was a solid selection for them at the position that they were at. You know, somebody, somebody that they can get in right away with Mark is exactly what they need. You know, I mean, our two franchise players, much as I love them, are in their 30s. They're not getting any younger. So, you know, being able to, to, to bring up guys – who can who can get in the system and learn the system and kind of transition as our older guys transition out that's i think that's ideal and i think that's what they did with this pick 
I don't know if I necessarily think that he's going to be a quote-unquote NBA player right away this first season. I don't think he's going to be Donovan Mitchell, but I am willing to give to give him a shot. Um, hopefully he's going to play in the summer league, so we'll get to see a little bit of action there. But, I mean, the Grizzlies didn't have a whole lot of options, and I, I think I think from a, a standpoint of everything that the fan base endured last season with as bad as they were, I think everyone should be happy that this is what they came away with. So before the, the pick was are, was made, were there um, specific players who people thought that the Grizzlies might choose? Was there somebody who people thought that they were, is he who people thought they were going to take? Or were there other players that were really in the mix as far as the conversation went anyway? Um, there were some names that were tossed around. Honestly, all of them went directly before yeah. <laughs> um, before the Grizzlies pick. And so, like, Jaron Jackson was on, from everything I've seen, was on the short list. Maybe not the top of the list, but he was on the list of, of who had been on people's radar. I, I really think it's, a you know, one of those, let, let's see how he does. Um, he's enthusiastic. He's excited to be there. He's, you know, wants to learn, wants to play, you know, him being the youngest player in the draft, if he can be good, you know, learn to be good and improve, then he can be a real asset to this team, you know, like for a number of seasons and not just, you know, a year or two, like we could be looking possibly at, I won't say like a, Mark or Mike level franchise player, but you know, we're going to have to start looking for the next generation of the face of the franchise and they could do worse with him. What, what do his detractors say, or what are the biggest concerns about him going into it? Is it his youth or are there like basketball reasons that people think that he might not work out? Um, there were people, I heard some basketball reasons. I don't know that I've ever really heard youth. So much as there were a number of people who didn't seem to be very impressed with with his college performance. But, you know, college basketball and NBA basketball are, are completely different animals. And, you know, I've, I, I feel like if once he gets into that environment and, and starts to learn the differences, I, I think he's going to catch on quickly. Maybe I just want him to catch on quickly. I'm trying to be optimistic here. Yeah, sure. I mean, considering how the Grizzlies' season went, they ended up and uh, got the the number four pick, and they they took Jaron Jackson. How do you feel overall about um, like the grade you would give them for the pick? Um, I would just from right now, I would say this is definitely at least a B plus pick from the people that were available. You know, the players that were available at that spot. Um, you know, it, with, you know, Bagley and Doncic off the board, he was sort of next in line as to who they should take. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anybody else you had your eye on? Not really. I didn't follow um, the draft workouts and stuff as closely this year as I have in previous years, which is kind of ironic because this is the book quote-unquote, the most important Grizzlies draft of the last several years, and it is, 
for sure. But at the end of the day, you know, whoever they pick is either going to work out or, or not. Like, just, just throw him in there. Throw him in there with Mark and Mike. Let's see how he gets along. Uh, the Grizzlies also had the 32nd pick. Is that right? Yes, they did. They drafted a guard named Javon Carter, who, what I've seen, looks good. His attitude, his mentality, I have heard from a number of people, is absolutely just completely fitting in with that whole gritty grit and grind that we are known for. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can can get back to their roots, so to speak, and be the team that, you know, they hung their hat on their defense, but it worked. And nobody wanted to play them because you knew you were going to get worn down. And it might not be as flashy as the Warriors basketball is, but it won games. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it was one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it, it worked for it worked for the guys that we had. Um, obviously, you know, Mark's good in that. Um, him developing an outside shot probably added some years to, to his career, and it's definitely going to be an asset for Memphis. But I, I think that people wanted them to be a team that they're just that they're not. And maybe they really shouldn't be, you know. Um, Go back to doing the thing that they did well, that they had the most success at, and, you know, be the bullies. Be, be, you know, keep everybody in the mud. If you can manage to do that and make it sustainable, I, I don't see why they shouldn't. Do you think that with the uh, selections that they made in this year's draft, are people talking about it, you know, it continuing to be grit and grind, or are they looking at the the picks and going, "Oh, I guess we're going in a different direction"? Or do they? It sounds like they kind of fit in with the general, you know, identity of the team. Well, see, that's that's the funny thing is because over the the um, this past season, it was sort of like it was a, a team having an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They didn't have that mentality. They didn't have that style of play. But the players that they drafted fit well within a system that is heavy, that relies heavily on defense. Maybe the game as a whole has sped up, but this is still not going to be. I mean, as it's still anchored by Marcus All, it's not. Go, I mean, they're not going to be a run and gun team the way some people want. And I think that that part of the problem was sort of trying to stuff them into a mold that they weren't really meant to be in. Um, This is not, you know, Memphis is is a small market, a small media market, and this is not a franchise or a fan base that can sustain, excuse me, that can sustain the sort of like blow it up, full on rebuild the way that like Philadelphia did. That's not ever going to (laughs) fly. So the, you know, the, the best option for them is to, retool and rebuild as they go, try and add pieces that can help them win in the moment, but bring in younger guys who, who can kind of, you know, who can eventually carry the torch. It's unrealistic to not at some point admit that that has to be a priority in developing the team and building a roster. Yes, we want to win now. Yes, we want to win this year. But there has to be some kind of of, of like long term outlook. What are the Grizzlies doing to set themselves up to be better 
now and in the future. And I think that they took a swing at it. I hope it'll work out because I don't want to, I don't want to see another season like last season. I think they did the best they could in the circum, you know, with who was available there. Um, and if Jaron Jackson plays, plays well with Mark, that's going to be great. You know, that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. You know, I want the team to do well, but I also don't want that to be like, I, I don't want to reliably be a first round playoff exit forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, I've been there. <laughs> I, I know, and I know you feel me there. And on one hand, no, I don't necessarily think that the only thing that, that makes a successful basketball team is winning a championship. But steady progress sure helps. <laughs> steady, steady progress definitely helps. And nobody in this fan base is really ready to go back to the early days of really, truly ugly basketball. Because they look so lost. It was so, <laughs> it was so sad. It was so hard to watch. <laughs> but like, I want to end this on a high note, Amy. <laughs> Don't go yes. there. Okay, Don't go I'm not going to go there. It's, you know what? Next season is going to be great. They're going to be yes. awesome. They're going to... Um, that's what I want to hear. Like I said, right after the draft, that's when our hopes are the highest. It's before free agency has started and you've heard whether, you know, you haven't heard yet, you know, who they shopped and couldn't get anything back for. Our hope is as high as it's going to be right now. So I think we should end with that. <laughs> draft picks and Tyreek Evans taking the MLE. I think that's like the Grizzlies best outcome for the summer. And because let, let's face it, we're broke. There's nothing else that we can really do within the salary cap. So, you know, I, I, I'm content, especially with the shakeups of, of, of last summer, I'm really content to kind of sit back and, and watch the drama happen all around the league and like us not be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for hopping on tonight and talking about how the folks of Memphis and how you felt about the new draft pick. It's always exciting when you have um, a high number and you get to um, pick from a lot of uh, exciting young players. So thank you so much for coming on to talk about them. If you would you like to tell people how they can find you on social media and your work? Yes, I would. Um, thank you again for having me. You can find me on Twitter at, at Hoop City Hellcat. And our website is, of course, allheartinhoopcity.com. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, the What Podcast. We are hosted by Blazers Edge, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. If you like what you heard, please go to the Blazers Edge podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe and rate and review. We release new episodes of the What Podcast every other Thursday. If you just want to get notified when the podcast episodes are released, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoops and Talks. I am on Twitter at TCB Biggs, and you can also find Kendall, who will be back this summer. Uh, you can find Kendall at Kendall Bennett 16. Thanks a lot for listening. Catch you next time.
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 